Hello, Monetization Nation. Welcome back to another episode with email marketing expert, Brittany Bailey. In the last episode, we discussed how to grow our email lists and essential email marketing sequences. In today's episode, Brittany answers common email marketing questions. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. What are some of the secrets and strategies of highly uh, performing or highly effective sequences? So there's a couple different things. We can come at it from the strategic standpoint, which is personalization is huge, using people's names, making sure that your emails are concise um, and not just you know big, big uh, condensing being condensed of the the sales page. So it's like really tough to read. So we can come at it from a strategic standpoint like that. We can also come at it from really what I've said at the beginning, which was that we have to keep the person in mind. So what kinds of stories are they telling in their mind that are going to stop them from clicking or are going to stop them from taking the action that you want them to take in the email? And that way you're able to actually circumvent that in the email itself. So it's it's a combination of, which is part of why I love email marketing, honestly. It's a combination of these tactical things like use name tags. That's a great way to, to get people engaged in the email. Part of what I love about email marketing is it's this combination of strategic and tactical things like including name tags, which is a great way to get people to feel like they've kind of been called out, you know, so they're, they're going to be engaged in that email, but also it's the humanistic side of it, which is keeping your person in mind and thinking what belief systems are coming up for them, what questions are coming up for them. So it's this blend of like the strategy and the human side to make a really successful campaign. You need both of those aspects. Love it. Are there any stats you could share about the effectiveness of email marketing and follow-up funnels and email sequences for organizations. Does, does it really make a difference? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm always hesitant to share, to share exact stats because it's so variant on how big your list is, how nurtured your list is, how they've been trained. Personally, I can tell you that I had a campaign uh, that I ran the other week where it was a funnel, like I'm talking about. So there was a funnel, there was an order bump that I did some like revamping to and added a few things to. So I went ahead and emailed my whole, um, my whole audience that had purchased that product in the past and said, hey, there's a bump that you might not have seen. I just added some cool stuff to it, take a look at it. And that day I made $500 just from emailing my list. And so we talk about these things and it's, you know, that's great. It might be a drop in the bucket for huge brands like ClickFunnels and some of these bigger things. But if you're a personal brand and you're used to spending money on ads, you're used to spending money in other places, you're used to having to jump through all these hoops to get sales and do these big launches, the power of being able to just go in and write an email for me, it was writing an email from the heart. Like this is, I revamped it because I felt like they needed something else. So I wrote, I went in and I wrote an email from the heart and I sent it and I left and I went to the gym and I did other things. And there was just 
Stripe notifications on my phone. And it's, that's just the beauty of email marketing because there's nothing in the middle. You don't have to do all these extra things. You don't have to, you know, hope that Facebook approves your ad and all these other things. You just have a direct line to your customer. So it really does make a difference. Bottom line can be different for all these big different brands, but it really makes a difference in the long run. How often should we be sending emails out to our list? I say at least twice a week for nurture emails. And so what I recommend is one time a week sending an email out that is like a highlight of an interview that you did or a podcast episode that you released or something that is external, which trains your readers to open your email and click and go somewhere else. So we're just laying that foundation. Email number two, I like to be more of a long form story-based content-based email. So if a podcaster or, or YouTuber or blogger is publishing daily, would you recommend that they send out, you know, let people subscribe and receive those posts every day or those, those episodes every day, or is that too much? Is that going to overwhelm the audience? Intuitively, that feels like too much, but I always caveat that with people know their audience. So if your show is called something, something daily, and someone signs up to get notifications from you, and that's what they know they're getting into, then that's not too much. That's what they signed on for. Um, If it was just a personal brand who I connected with, and I bought something from, and I started getting emails daily, that would feel like too much for me as a subscriber. So it's really about the pre-frame, pre-frame and knowing your, your reader and then understanding what would be good for them. Um, you could do something like a roundup like this week on this show and have you know your five episodes in one email. You can do a lot of different creative things um, in order to make it not be so much. Right, okay. So, so that's what you would prefer and recommend. So my show is a daily show. And, and we're trying to figure out this email strategy. And you would probably recommend we just do an email digest as the default instead of doing a, you know, sending the daily emails out. Yeah, some kind of digest. You also could do a highlight, say, you know, this week we talked to this person, this person, this person, and this person. We want to highlight this one. And then, you know, you can, you can uh, switch it as you're going throughout the weeks. You can kind of test it too. A lot of times it really is, you can make educated guesses. You can see what would you know naturally or intuitively be the right thing for your audience. But sometimes the data surprises us. So right. you know we always recommend testing and seeing what what works well for your audience. Love it. Yeah, and and my show is a daily interview show. So the the episodes, most of the episodes are in the thirty minute range. My concern about sending them in a daily digest is that's three and a half hours of content. You know, nobody's going to go sit through three and a half hours of content where if you give them a little bit each day, you've got a, you've got a better opportunity or a better chance that they'll, they'll actually consume that content. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Maybe you just give them the option and say, do you want an episode each day or do you want a weekly digest right when they sign up for it? That's a great point. Segmentation is something that I think a lot of people um, don't think too much about but it really is a great way to show that you respect your subscriber and that you respect their time. So for yeah. instance, I'll shout out Julie Stoyan, who is the co-founder of Funnel Gorgeous um, yeah. with Kathy Olson. She's great. Amazing, yeah. 
So she sends out these emails. I think they call them adventures in um, marketers land or something like that. I'm on the list. Um, Yeah. So they send those out once a week. And at the bottom, if you notice, she has um, an option that says, don't want to receive these updates. Click here to be removed from this list, but still hear about our upcoming launches and products. So it allows people to say, I don't want this weekly update, but I do want to kind of know what you're doing. I'm still interested in your brand, but I don't want to hear from you every Wednesday. And so that's a really good way to show respect to your subscriber, to show that you care about their preferences. So that is definitely something that you could do as well. I love that. Let them unsubscribe from part of what you send, but not everything you send. Let them pick it. Okay. Um, What are the best incentives or lead magnets to give people to get them to sign up for the email list? So I think it comes back to what they need as a person, where they are in their business, what experiences they're having as a business owner, and being really, really hypersensitive to that. So I've seen a lot of people come out, you know, in this last year, what we've been dealing with, I've seen a lot of people come out with very successful lead magnets and front end offers that were how to deal with this based on what just happened, how to take your business online in a short period of time. So being really hypersensitive to the things that are going on in your customer's world always make the best lead magnets. It's much more about the intention and what you're teaching versus the container, like a challenge or an ebook or whatever. It's much more about what it is that you are offering them and the place that you're offering it from versus, you know, all of these different kind of fancy, fancy tactics. Okay. Uh, what is the most successful lead magnet you've ever seen? The ones that I have seen take off and the ones that I have seen work have been ones that were relating to their audience and weren't, I think a lot of times we get like really as entrepreneurs, we get really excited about what we know in our thing. And we talk about it in like techie language and we talk about it in like this high level concept and really specific um, layman terms like um, lead magnets, challenges, those kinds of things are what's so effective. Because when you think about what your customer is actually saying in their mind, they're not saying, I need a high performing X, Y, and Z funnel that allows me to blah, blah, blah. They're thinking, I need to make money online, right? Like the when we strip out the techie language and we strip out the, the kind of stuff that we get stuck in as an expert, and actually make it something tangible to them, that's when you can start to see things perform at a much better, a much better level. Can you give us some advice on how to write a compelling uh, subject line that's not going to get flagged or has a lower likelihood of a chance of getting flagged? So the whole thing with subject lines is uh, you want them to be eye-catching and pattern interrupting without being unclear. And it's, a, it's an interesting line to walk um, because you don't want it to be, like I've seen subject lines that were very eye-catching and random, like, you know, peanut butter, whatever, whatever, like something that didn't, words that didn't seem to fit together and funny emojis. And you're like, what is that? But when you open the email, it has nothing to do with that. Or it's like this one little line or something like that. So you want to walk the line of something that is interesting, something that catches their eye 
but also tells them what they're reading. Because when you do the eye-catching thing and you don't get them the con the the context that they need before they read their email, they can feel tricked or they can feel like, oh, I don't know what this is and, and bounce out very quickly. Very interesting. Okay, so keep them aligned. Um, asking questions, are questions better than non-questions? They can be, yeah. So I got a really great email today from, her name is Ashlyn Carter. Um, and she, I think it was like, Brittany, do you have, so great, she had my name in it. It was, uh, Brittany, do you have time today? I want to run something by you. And that immediately, because, well, I do kind of know her. So I was like, wait, is, is that an actual email to me? And then I clicked it and she had this whole wonderfully written email. I responded to her and I was like, that was a fantastic onboarding email. Um, she went through and, and had this whole thing that she wanted to, she was trying to get replies because that is something that really does work. And so, yes, questions can be great statements, like, like a, that's basically a mini sentence, right? Things like that can be great. Emojis definitely can, can be eye-catching and work really well. Um, variance in the actual um, text. So like if you want to do all caps, a word that's all caps, parentheses, brackets, dot, 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 anything that gives some like some um, variance to the, to the email subject line rather than just like new this week, something that's very flat and, you know, um, so yeah, anything that pattern interrupts, I think is, is what they're sometimes called. Okay. Um, how about question, how about subject lines that start with how to, or question subject lines that are numbered lists, you know, six secrets of this or five ways to do this. Do those yeah. tend to do a lot better? It depends on the list and the people who are opening those emails. Um, but yes, those can do really well. When we say like better or worse, it's always a benchmark based on the person. So right. like for me, those aren't quite as, cause I don't have a super um, content heavy way that I write. So a lot of my stuff is more this crazy thing I learned at the grocery store while I was checking out or, you know, my stuff is a little bit more story-based than um, tactical in my email list. So those don't do quite as well for me, but for somebody who is more strategy-based or is more tactical-based, it would do better for them. So everything is re in relation to your own benchmarks. And what I like to tell people is to get your benchmarks, be sure that you are emailing your list one to two times a week for 60 to 90 days to actually see what your benchmarks are and then go from there. Well, let me rephrase the question. How do we improve our calls to action and our click-through rates in our emails? So one thing is you always only want to have one call to action. And I've seen some people struggle with that because we want to pack everything into one email and we want to give them all these steps and all these things. One call to action, one concise and clear call to action is always the way to go. So you want to be sure that it's clear, be sure that there is no, um, it's, it's set apart from your email. So it's not just like buried within the email, just one hyperlinked text, you know, come join this and then you're continuing on. You want to have it. I always do like two kind of like carrots and then the call to action in sometimes bigger, um, bigger text. So you want to have that there, make sure that it's really obvious what you're trying to get them to do. 
Um, so that would be your call to action, your click-through rates. You also want to set it up in your, um, in your hook and in the, the first part of your email. So I like to write my emails actually backwards. Um, so I write the call to action first, and then I write the hook, and then I write the middle of the email. And I like to look at it like bridging the two together. So when you are writing your hook, keep your call to action in mind and know what you want them to do. So you're writing every word with intention and you're not taking them on like a rabbit trail or like a big long story. And then there's just a call to action like smacked at the end. You want it to be something when they're reading your email, they know where you're going. They can follow your train of thought. They see what you're doing. And by writing the email in reverse, I find that that's a lot clearer of a path. That's a brilliant idea. I've never heard that before. I will definitely try that. Uh, tell us about the can spam laws and rules and what do we need to be aware of to stay out of hot water? Yep. So um, really you want to check in your region and in your area because it's different, you know, all over the world. Um, but you want to be sure that you have, of course, permission to, to email them. It doesn't, uh, I think it has to not be um, a conditional part of the purchase, right? So if you are on a funnel, like the, the check mark, that was the, the thing that came out a couple of years ago, you want to make sure that it's not automatically checked that you are going to send them promotional emails. I'm just getting into text marketing and that is something that um, is, is the same way. It can't be a conditional part of the purchase. So you want to just be sure that you're following in your area and in your region to be sure that you're not. But ultimately it's, do you have permission to email them promotional or marketing material? That's like the bottom line. Right. Is the same thing true if you're giving away something free? If you gave away a free lead magnet and you say, if you sign up for my list, I'll give you this free lead magnet. Do you still have to un have the box unchecked and they still have to check the box or can you make it contingent? No, to my understanding, you still have to have, it's the same rules as all across the board. How long should my emails be? It really depends. So it comes back to your list and what they're wanting from you. So some people are very content heavy in their emails. Like we were just talking about Julie, right? So she writes very, um, almost like blog style emails. Sometimes they're very long. That's what I expect from her. That's what I know she's going to send. I love them. I read them always, right? Some people are a lot more short and to the point. They have um, a different way of speaking or a different way of their, their brand voice is different than hers. And so it really comes down to what is natural for you and what is natural for your audience to expect from you. And you can continue on from there. Should those emails be HTML based or, or text based? Yeah, I would, I would, I always write mine in text based. Um, I know you can, you can do HTML. I've never, I've never worked with that before, but you can, I know in ConvertKit, you can toggle between the two as well. Yeah. How important is personalizing those email campaigns? Very, absolutely. I think personalizing, we were talking about with the name tags before, um, personalizing when it comes to even the product that they bought. So if you have the product name in there, so once they say get your front end offer or your lead magnet and you know they have that and they're going through your onboarding sequence, you would even say, in maybe the second email or the third email, hey, by the way, how are you enjoying whatever it is? So even if you have multiple offers, you want to always be sure that you're personalizing those 
within the, the different offers within the different segments so that you are making it seem like you know who they are, what action they took and where they are in their journey. And that's a really critical piece of being sure that you are actually serving them in their, in their uh, journey on their what are the best ways or technologies or strategies to do that personalization? I'm assuming you just do that in ConvertKit and it's just a tag that you add and does it really take much effort or? or it's, yeah, anything? exactly. The only thing that you that does take effort on the front end is you want to be sure that you're collecting their name. So when you're doing your form on, you know, whatever it is, whatever system you're using to complete the purchase or complete the download, you want to be sure that you're collecting their name, collecting their email address and all of that so that you can add these personalization tactics after the fact. Okay. What are the biggest mistakes that you've seen people make in their email campaigns? I know you kind of addressed that a little bit at the beginning. A couple different things. Yeah. So one is just not emailing them at all and, and just having this cold list sitting there. And another would be to only hit them up when they are needing sales or when they are about to launch something and not having a long-term nurture strategy in place. So those two things I see, I see people freeze and not know at all what to do. And then I see people just, you know, spam them a little bit and then back off and kind of spam them again and then back off and spam them again. And then they get these unsubscribes and it's kind of this downward spiral. Um, so really it's the... The opposite of that would be to know what you want to say to your person, understand what they're asking from you, understand what questions they have on their mind, nurture them and have a long-term strategy in place so that they feel supported. Love it. If my audience enjoyed this interview and they want to connect with you uh, and learn more about your organization and your services, what are the best ways for them to do that? Yeah. So the product that I mentioned earlier, the Swipes That Sell, is my signature program, and that has the core sequences for online coaches. They can go in and they can get the templates. They can learn how to personalize them. I also have a deliverability masterclass in that product so that you understand not only how to write emails that convert, but you understand how to get them actually into the inbox. Thank you so much, Brittany, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, we should probably be emailing our list with value at least twice per week. Number two, subject lines should be eye-catching and clear. Number three, each email should only have one call to action and everything should lead to it. Number four, we can personalize by adding readers' names and referencing their specific experiences in the emails. Number five, email marketing should combine tactical and humanistic approaches. Number six, every company can benefit from the direct connection to customers email marketing provides. Number seven, we should understand and comply with anti-spam laws in our countries. If you want to learn more about Brittany or connect with her, you can find her on LinkedIn, Instagram, or visit her website at BrittanyBailey.com. And there's links to each of those sites in the blog post for this episode at MonetizationNation.com. Do you want to be a better digital monetizer? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free passion marketing ebook and learn how to be a top priority of your customers at passionmarketing.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number three, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation YouTube channel. 
Number four, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And number five, you can follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. What questions do you have about email marketing? Please follow our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your email marketing. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.